0: Well, we're starting with two stories from Texas today and nothing really says the Christmas spirit like Texas sending buses of migrants to deathly cold temperatures at Kamala Harris's house. And that's exactly what took place. And yet Texas has real problems to deal with, specifically the fact that they have another power emergency. Yeah, This is not a show from last year, Texas having another power emergency for more or less the exact same reasons that they have in the past. We're going to get to that, though. Let's start with the migrant story. New York Times reporting buses of migrants arrive at Kamala Harris's home on Christmas Eve. About one hundred and thirty migrants from Texas were bused to the vice president's home on one of the coldest Christmas Eve's on record in the nation's capital. This is a good article by Stephanie Lai that explains um, what took place Over 100 migrants arrived near Kamala Harris's home Saturday evening, one of the chilliest Christmas Eve's on record. Volunteers anticipated three buses with about 130 migrants to arrive in New York on Christmas Day. The buses were rerouted to the Washington area because of road closures and frigid conditions. Migrants arrived in Washington after a 36 hour journey, some with little more than a T-shirt or a light blanket. The mutual aid group helped coordinate travel and housing for them, provided food, coats, shoes, other warm articles. Temperatures plunged below 20 degrees. The mutual aid group said the buses were set by the Texas Division of Emergency Management following the directive of Governor Greg Abbott's office. I don't have to tell you whether he's a Democrat or a Republican, you know from what he did, quote, they've been doing this for a few months now. It's all for the spectacle. The cruelty is the point it's awful to use people in this manner for political reasons. Um, We have video. And uh, as you will see here, um, folks arriving, as you see, some some are wearing shorts, quite literally shorts. The temperatures got below 20 degrees. Buses being unloaded. And this is A political stunt. It is farcical. It is disgusting. It's also dangerous. It puts people in danger because of the temperatures. We have another video here as well. You see the clock 10 p.m. there. Uh, Buses arriving. People have been handed blankets, at least some of them have. But you do see folks very much underdressed. And it got very, very cold in the Northeast on Christmas Eve. The White House is assailing Texas Governor Abbott. Per report from Reuters writing the White House on Monday accused Texas Governor Greg Abbott of endangering lives after busloads of migrants from the southwest border in Texas were dropped near Vice President Kamala Harris's home in D.C. The Republican Abbott has not acknowledged the drop and his office has not claimed responsibility. Um, Yeah. So what do we say? These are people who are prioritizing their own agendas over the well-being and safety of others. And it's nothing short of disgusting and absurd. People's lives are being put at risk. People woefully uh, unprepared for the temperatures that slammed the Northeast over the holiday weekend, and they're being used as political pawns. So, number one, we should recognize that these are human beings. They are looking for safety. They're looking for a better life for themselves and their families. They don't come to the United States willy nilly. Remember, many of them are leaving families and the only homes that they have known to take a risk and to try to make a living. Now, remember, they are both lazy and taking our jobs. So, wait, they're, they're lazily taking all of our jobs by working. All of those stories are completely pathetic and inconsistent. We know that. But these are people who are making life altering decisions to try to better their circumstances. And there are folks like Texas Republicans more than it's not even willing, eager to exploit them. Secondly, when governors do this, Abbott, DeSantis, etc., not only does it fly in the face of basic human compassion and decency, it often actually is misstating or misunderstanding the legal status of many of these folks. I don't yet know the legal status of these 130 individuals. Oftentimes the term migrant is used and then it's often replaced with illegal immigrant. But in a prior busing stunt where migrants were bused to the north, they were folks who were actually they they requested asylum and their cases were being processed and they were not actually here what we would define as illegally per the law, per asylum law. And so understand that very often it's not even accurately making the very deranged and inhuman point that they are trying to make. Last thing, Americans are actually in agreement on many aspects of the immigration debate, particularly DACA. If you were six when you were brought here by your undocumented immigrant parents and from age six to 20, you grew up in the United States, went to school in the United States, etc., it would be insanely cruel and illogical to send that individual who was six when they came here and is now 20 back to, quote, their country, which isn't even really their country anymore. And in fact, I came to the U.S. legally when I was five and legally or illegally my upbringing, my schooling, my acculturization was in the United States. Had I been brought here by my parents illegally at age five to say when I was 20 in the middle of college, you've got to go back to Argentina would be extraordinarily inhumane. Um, And that is something that most Americans agree with. And yet we are unable to make progress on that. We've talked about why there are political factions at play and on and on and on. Lastly, really lastly. These busing stunts will probably have unintended consequences. And what I mean by that is you send migrants to states and sometimes they're not even told until they arrive that this is happening. So it puts an additional strain on local resources and it arguably exacerbates difficult situations that the migrants find themselves in. Okay, so you're irresponsibly and short sightedly to get headlines doing something which will actually make the problem worse that you're trying to solve, because if the migrants were able to stay or go to a place that was actually prepared and resourced to receive them, it would have a dramatically lower impact on those communities. Nobody's saying there is no impact when people arrive in a community. But by deliberately choosing to willy nilly at 10 p.m. bus folks to a place that isn't even expecting them, you're actually just making the problem worse. So this is what Texas spent Christmas doing. And meanwhile, look at what else is going on again. Texas is having a power emergency and a power plant failure. And what they're busy doing is sending migrants in buses to Kamala Harris's house. Think of it totally predictable. Newsweek reports Greg Abbott faces Texas grid emergency as power plant failed, power plants fail. Texas Governor Greg Abbott is facing a grid emergency this holiday weekend. Do It's like a repeat article. But, you know, you look at the date. uh, It is Christmas Day 2022. An Arctic blast is causing failures at power plants in the state. It's happening again. The U.S. Department of Energy on Friday declared an emergency in Texas, quote, due to a shortage of electric energy, a shortage of facilities for the generation of electric energy and other causes. The department's emergency order allows Texas grid operators to pollute more than allowed in an effort to boost electricity generation amid threatening cold temperatures. This means Texas power plants can burn dirtier fuel oil instead of natural gas to generate power through Christmas morning. Extra pollution, folks served alongside Santa. The Electric Reliability Council of Texas, known as ERCOT, which serves 90 percent of the customers in the state, requested the emergency order exceed the usual federal air quality restrictions on Friday. So I just want to remind people who maybe don't remember or missed or weren't paying attention when this previously happened. Texas, because it is a bastion of freedom and strength and alpha male energy and Uh, liberty. And what words am I forgetting here? Freedom, patriotism, all that stuff. They have decided to essentially compartmentalize their electrical grid so that when there is a shortage due to extremely cold temperatures or extremely hot temperatures or for whatever reason, when there is a shortage of electrical power, uh, they are not able to just draw from neighboring grids and utilities the way Almost all, if not all of the rest of the United States is able to do now, Texas did this because they're a big boy. They're so strong. You're such a big boy, Texas. And yet it fails almost every year, it seems like. And as a result of the failure, they end up polluting even more because they get exemptions to how much pollution they can pump into the atmosphere, because after all, it's an emergency, an emergency they cost. predictable in that it's happening again. Secondly, Texas spent Christmas sending migrants to Kamala Harris's house on buses instead of dealing with this to the extent that they'd even be able to deal with it. So I feel for the people of Texas. I I do. This is an absolutely horrible thing. FEMA is going to end up likely footing a big part of the bill again in order to help people. And it's not really accurate to call this a natural disaster. What I mean by that is Yes, it is a weather event that is the catalyst for this happening yet again. But they decided to organize their electrical grid like this. They have had years of time to try to reorganize their electrical grid and to actually connect to neighboring grids, and they don't want to do it. And Greg Abbott is at the top of the list of horrible people. He's, you know, wasting money shipping immigrants to the vice president's house while this is going on in Texas. So this was predictable. We know the solutions. We know the political reasons why Texas has chosen to do this. And as fortunately, many states are moving forward. Number of electric vehicles purchased as a percentage of new cars is going up. Uh, uh, Solar capacity being installed is increasing retrofits of homes to totally um, uh, electric heat pump systems, which can be powered by the sun. solar. we're seeing all these advancements in so many states. Texas is saying we have an emergency we caused for which we now want to be allowed to pump extra pollution into the atmosphere. It's quite literally what's taking place. It's disgusting. Abbott's disgusting. We know what the solution is. They don't want to do it. Texans are increasingly sick of it. But they really don't seem willing to get rid of Greg Abbott for it. I mean, they they had an option, right? When it was Abbott versus Beto O'Rourke, we knew which of the two supported changing this ERCOT fiasco, Beto. And we know which of the two preferred to defend the status quo, Greg Abbott. Well, they got Abbott and it's happening again. And I feel bad for the people of Texas and also It might be time to wake up and ask for something different and vote for something different. Well, it's going to be a few years now before they have that opportunity. We'll see where this goes. We'll see how long it lasts. Remember, subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash the David Pacman show. We are pushing, pushing, pushing like a boulder up a mountain towards 2 million YouTube subscribers. Help get us one closer. one of our sponsors is Sunset Lake CBD. Get affordable, high quality CBD straight from the source. Sunset Lake CBD is a family owned hemp farm in Vermont growing premium CBD products for sleep and stress without breaking the bank. They ship directly to you from the farm, cutting out all of the extra costs with the big box stores and because of their unique farm to table approach, Sunset Lake CBD products cost 30 percent less than the industry average. They have gummies, oils, flour, topicals. I'm a fan of Sunset Lake CBD coffee, which uses Rainforest Alliance coffee beans. Many people are trying CBD for stress or pain. Maybe you're someone who likes to take a couple of CBD gummies before bed for sleep. Well, now you can actually take it every time you want to, because Sunset Lake makes it so affordable without sacrificing quality. If you already love CBD or you want to give it a try, go to sunsetlakecbd.com. Use the code PACMAN for 20% off. They are a socially responsible company. They support what we do. sunsetlakecbd.com. Use code PACMAN at checkout for 20% off. The info is in the podcast notes. all sorts of really useful topics. Most people in the audience know I'm a big financial literacy advocate. I can tell you NerdWallet does a fantastic job here. Listen to NerdWallet's smart money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Right now, many of us are asking ourselves, what's the best way to help the people affected by the recent hurricanes? And the truth is, giving them cash is one of the best things you can do because cash is so cost effective. When you give families cash, you're also empowering them to choose for themselves how to best improve their situation. And I've talked before about our sponsor, GiveDirectly. Give directly is a nonprofit that just lets donors like you send cash directly to families who need it the most. Give directly is a great organization I've been following for years. A lot of their focus is on impoverished families in Africa. But right now, give directly is also allowing you to send cash directly to families impacted by Hurricanes Ian and Fiona during Hurricane Ian. More than two and a half million people were ordered to leave their homes. Expenses are rising. They need food, shelter, transportation. Hurricane Fiona hit Puerto Rico on September 18th. More than 12,000 people displaced, the island is still in a state of emergency and people need help. Visit givedirectlyorg Pacman to learn more and send money directly to someone who needs it. Use the link in the podcast notes. The David Pacman Show is a community supported program. You can support the program by signing up at joinpacman.com. You can use the coupon code Please No More Trump. Please No More Trump. Please No More Trump. You know it.
1: Obama.
0: Yeah. Uh, to get a discount, you'll get the daily bonus show, commercial free audio and video streams of the show, and all of that great stuff at joinpacman.com. Well, the Republican who invented his entire backstory, including his religion, education and work history is now admitting that he did it, but he says, listen, none of it was a crime. I didn't commit any crime. And I plan to be a member of the U.S. House of Representatives. We're talking, of course, about George Santos. The New York Post scored an interview with Santos and they call it liar. Representative elect George Santos admits fabricating key details of his bio. I am not a criminal, he said. Uh, this controversy will not deter me from having good legislative success. I will be effective. I will be good, he says. Uh, my sins here are embellishing my resume. I'm sorry. He confessed he never worked directly for Goldman Sachs and Citigroup, which he claimed to have done, saying it was a quote poor choice of words that he worked for Linkbridge, which did business with those companies. <laughs> All right. A little bit different. He says he stated it poorly. Um, He admitted he never actually graduated from any college, even though he said I graduated from Baruch College in 2010. I didn't graduate from any institution of higher learning. I'm embarrassed and sorry for having embellished my resume. I own up to that. We do stupid things in life. It's not really embellishing to say I graduated from a college I didn't graduate from. It's a lie. It's a lie. Now, on the issue of being Jewish, the article says Santos was also accused of lying about his family history, saying on his campaign website his mother was Jewish and his grandparents escaped the Nazis during World War II. Remember, no evidence exists to back that up. Santos now says he's, quote, clearly Catholic, but claimed his grandmother told stories about being Jewish and later converting to Catholicism. Santos said, I never claimed to be Jewish. I said I was Jew hyphen ish. <laughs> Oh, boy. He argues technically none of this is a crime. That's what he's going with.
2: I'm not a criminal, not here, not abroad in any jurisdiction in the world have I ever committed any crimes Right. to get down to the knit and gritty. I'm not a fraud.
0: I like that the knit and gritty, not the nitty gritty to get down to the knit and the gritty. Beautiful.
2: I'm not a criminal who defrauded the entire country and made up this fictional character and ran for
0: it is fictitional and fictitious and it is a fiction. The knit and gritty of the fictional character is really coming to light.
2: Congress. I've been around a long time. I mean, a lot of people know me. They know who I am. They've done business dealings with me. I'm not going to make excuses for this, but
0: he kind of is
2: a lot of people overstate in their resumes or um, twist a little bit or ingratiate themselves.
0: Oh my god, ingratiate. Dear god. If he said ingratiate, it would not make sense, but ingratiate. It's it's all this guy doesn't know what's going on. Now I'm actually learning much more about this. So, psychological explanations for this, not from me but from mental health experts about why people do this. Why do people do this? One possibility they just have a tendency towards pathological lying. It's almost like a reflex. They have a, a it's, it's a compulsion. It's a compulsion to just lie often for no apparent reason. I've told the story of someone I knew when I was in high school and they said my, my glasses are five hundred dollars. This was a very long time ago. You, you, nobody had five hundred dollars just re- prescription glasses. My glasses were five hundred dollars because they're special. I, I don't even care about your glasses. Why are you lying about that? It doesn't make any sense. I don't care one way or the other. I, I it's a compulsion. They can't control it. And often it comes with a lack of remorse or a lack of feeling of guilt when you do it, which is sort of what we're seeing here. Um, Another possibility is that it's a need for attention and validation. And so it's not a compulsion to lie. It's this desire to be validated by people, to be seen as good, to be seen as smart and all these different things. And it can also be just as simple as it was calculated because he thought it would help him win. He he realized his actual record wasn't very good. Uh, And so he made it up because he thought it would help him win, which, by the way, it appears to have helped. He should resign. Uh, He's not going to. Here's a really funny clip, by the way, where Kevin McCarthy touts. We have so many Jewish people joining us and he mentions George Santos. It's great. But I really want to talk about who's the makeup of this new majority. You heard from some of all already, you know, with Max Miller in Ohio, George Santos in New York, and you had David Kustoff from Tennessee get reelected. He introduced him. Yeah.
2: Do you realize we have the largest Republican Jewish caucus in more than 24 (laughs) years?
0: Very, very, very exciting, of course, for the Republican Party. So Santos should resign. You'd be fired from any job for doing this. And his argument that what he did wasn't a crime is very, very shaky. There's actually a longer interview that Santos did. It's a total softball. I don't want to play the whole thing for you, so we're going through it. We're going to pull out the most interesting clips. And we'll look at them tomorrow. Well, folks, another tragic accident where an individual who just happened to be critical of Russian President Vladimir Putin has very sadly and very accidentally fallen to his death out of a hotel window. It's almost like this is an epidemic in Russia. By mere coincidence, people who criticize Vladimir Putin fall out of windows, sometimes in an act of taking their own life, as it is reported. So here's what we have. And yes, it is another one of these stories. It's really December 27th, 2022 today. This isn't a repeat of the story like this from two months ago or six months ago or whatever. Russian meat magnate. This is the sausage king of Russia, apparently. I'm not even exaggerating that Russian meat magnate who criticized Putin's war dies after a hotel fall a Russian sausage magnate who briefly criticized Russia's invasion of Ukraine has died after falling from the third floor window of a luxury hotel in India. Pavel Antov was a member of Putin's United Russia Party and a multimillionaire, having founded one of the country's largest sausage makers, he was reportedly on a trip to celebrate his upcoming 66th birthday when he was found lying in a pool of blood outside the Hotel Sai International in and Rag- Rayagada, in the southern state of Odisha, an unnamed police official told India's NDTV news outlet they suspect he took his own life because he was depressed about the death of his friend who was found dead at the same hotel. Vladimir Bidenov was found unconscious in his hotel room on Thursday, surrounded by empty wine bottles. Antov was the founder of, the, of Vladimir Standard, a major meat producer, had an income of just under two hundred and thirty million dollars a year. In July, he posted a story on his WhatsApp, criticizing Russia's missile attacks on Kyiv as terrorism. He was referring to reports of a girl that was pulled from rubble after a house was shelled. Shortly afterward, he apologized for the post and said it was posted by someone else someone got into his WhatsApp and sent a message. He said he was a supporter of the president and my country's patriot and shared the goals of the invention, the invasion. Um, The Russia consul general in Calcutta said there was no foul play. So listen, was there foul, foul play or not? I don't know, but it's very strange. I mean, even that story, he was at the same hotel where another Russian died and he was so depressed of that by that. That he took his own life. It's very strange. And of course, this endlessly expanded Wiki article 2022 Russian businessmen mystery deaths. You might remember in January we covered the death of Leonard Shulman. Uh, we later covered there's so many of these. I don't remember all of the ones that we covered more. Uh, I believe we covered the Pavel Chelnikov death. Um, maybe also the Nikolai Meshagian death. So anyway, you can look at all of these and each is very, very strange. Suffered a stroke, fell out of a hotel window, a hospital window, all of these different things. It's very, very suspicious. And I know you, many of you will email me and you will say, David, what do you mean suspicious? These people are obviously being murdered. I, I understand. Remember, The whole point here is no one's really supposed to believe the story that's told. Like you and I, we see, oh, it's been reported that they tripped on a remote in their hotel room and fell out the window onto six knives. David, that's not believable. That's the point. Okay, I can't say all of these are murders, but some of them are obviously murders, Okay. The point is that the explanations not be believable because it's how you communicate. They'll kill you. That's the entire point. And so it's not who thinks we're going to believe these stories. It's that's the whole point. They tell unbelievable stories. And here is yet another suspicious one. Put it on the list of suspicious. Will we ever know which ones are what they are said to be and which ones are the murders? Uh, We may not. We may not. But it is happening again. A judge has thrown Kerry Lake's lawsuit over the Arizona gubernatorial election into the trash where it belongs. This is great news and it is the right thing. Judge tosses Kerry Lake's election challenge in Arizona governor's race. This happened on Christmas Eve, a perfect day to usher in putting this in the trash. A judge on Saturday dismissed Kerry Lake's election challenge. Remember, What happened in Arizona, very complicated, okay? Pay really close attention to what happened in Arizona. More people voted for Katie Hobbs, so she gets to be the governor. That's what happened in Arizona, okay? The judge dismissed it, saying Lake failed to prove her case. Maricopa County Judge Peter Thompson, who oversaw the two day trial, ruled that Lake's legal team never offered clear and convincing evidence showing the election was rigged against her. Of course, she didn't. There is no such evidence because it wasn't rigged. Lake can appeal the case before Katie Hobbs is sworn in on January 2nd because of the tight, tight, timetable. The case may move swiftly to the Arizona Supreme Court. Thompson noted real problems did affect the election, but election workers tried their best and performed their role with integrity, not perfectly as no system on Earth is perfect but more than sufficient to comply with the law and conduct a valid election. Okay, here is her statement after predicting endless victories. She issued this statement. By the way, if you're watching, she stands like Trump now. She's doing that thing where she hinges forward at the waist and it looks like it kind of defies gravity. She's even standing like Trump. It's bizarre. Here, she's calling this a win, I guess.
3: Uh, I'm just going to make a quick statement. I am so incredibly proud (laughs) of our amazing attorneys. I
0: genuinely don't know how people stand like that.
3: That put this amazing case together, historic case. We proved without a shadow of a doubt that there was malicious intent that caused disruption so great. It changed the results of the election.
0: They did not prove that they absolutely did not prove that
3: incredibly proud of of both Brian. By the way,
0: had she proven that the judge would have made a different decision,
3: Olson who led up this legal team. We provided expert testimony. We provided experts. The other side brought in activists to try to save face. They admitted that they've known about these ballot problems, They're ballot problems. Now they're trying to say that it's been going on for three elections. Our elections are a mess in this country.
0: All right. So anyway, I guess she's saying it's a moral victory of some kind. I don't really know. She also tweeted about this, quote, my election case provided the world with evidence. There was no evidence presented that proves there was no proof. Our elections are run outside of the law. That is not true. This judge did not rule in our favor. That's accurate. Okay. However, for the sake of restoring faith and honesty in our elections, I will appeal this ruling. Now, I just want to remind you the level of confusion around this entire thing. Carrie Lake said part of her evidence was that people weren't allowed to vote because they arrived after the polls closed. Understand part of her evidence is the polls are closed. People show up. They're told we're closed. That's evidence. It was rigged. Listen to this. this. This is truly amazing.
3: We have serious problems with the way our elections are run. Let me just read from some affidavits of people who were taking part in Election Day voting, which was now.
0: The- remember, affidavits are not evidence. They can be introduced as evidence and evaluated like testimony, but it doesn't even matter.
3: A massive number of Republicans and independents who showed up. This man says at seven o'clock, a marshal announced that voting time was over to the line outside of the building with over 100 voters still standing in line.
0: Okay, now those voters in line do get to vote. But listen carefully to what she says.
3: Four or five voters arrived immediately thereafter and were very upset. One voter came to the side door to speak to a supervisor. So
0: understand four to five voters arrived after the polls closed. What happens when the polls close is they say, "Okay, you, sir or ma'am, are the last person in line. You get to vote. Now no one else gets to get in line. Every election is run this way. And part of her evidence is an affidavit that four or five people showed up after the poll closure announcement was made and were upset they weren't allowed to vote. The polls were closed. These are the rules in every state. So the correct decision by the judge, she's not going to be the governor. The person who got more votes is going to get to be the governor. We'll have all of these clips on our Instagram, which you can find at David Pakman show. Did you know that half of Americans are deficient in vitamin A, vitamin C and magnesium? Most Americans are deficient in vitamin D. I take vitamin D during the winter. It is sometimes difficult to eat exactly the right amount of each food to get exactly what you need. I just make my life simpler with AG one by Athletic Greens in the morning. One scoop of AG one. I get the entire day's worth of seventy five high quality vitamins, minerals and whole food sourced ingredients. It's what I want. It's no more. It's no less. It's not making any outlandish claims. It's just an easy, sustainable routine. I've tried different ways of taking vitamins. AG one is cheaper. It's quicker. It's tastier. I'm not fumbling around with different capsules. It tastes great to drink straight with water. Sometimes I'll put it in a smoothie or shake. It's simple. It's something easy you can do going into the new year, staying properly nourished. Athletic Greens is giving my audience a free year supply of vitamin D. I take that every day in winter. Plus, you'll get five free travel packs of AG1. Go to athleticgreens.com slash That's athletic G.R.E.E.N.S. dot com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. Failed former President Donald Trump gave an interview to O.A.N.'s channel Ryan, which should be a very, very friendly and positive interview. She brought up NFTs, a.k.a. Trump's recent grift of selling NFT digital trading cards. Sorry, I can't even do it. Which Steve Bannon said is not good, that Trump should not be doing it, that whoever came up with the idea should be fired. She brings it up to him and Trump basically says he thought the NFTs were cute. Um, this should have gone well and it did not go very well. Let's take a listen to this.
3: I'm asking you as as Donald Trump, the money man. I mean, you have invested your life in tangible assets. And so the question is, are you looking at NFTs as this kind of this new world of cryptocurrency? That is,
0: sir, is the new world for the physical asset guy, Trump, who did real estate. Now, digital trading cards is this the future of money
3: future no, or
1: not. is it just no, you're playing no. with it I viewed it differently I didn't view it as investment I viewed it as I thought they were cute I mean <laughs>
0: oh, god the former president thought the NFTs were this channel this is not an investment okay but this is definitely definitely not an investment it's just cute
1: for 99 dollars you're getting these these visions that are very beautiful and interesting I think
0: Yes. Me wearing a space suit for ninety nine bucks. It's so it's just cute.
1: And I viewed it that way much more so than as an NFT. Yeah. But NFT, as you know, was very hot two or three years ago. And NFT is hot. It cooled down. You know, it's a category that happens. It cooled down. So when they announced it's NFT, everyone said, what's he doing that for? That's so cold.
0: It was it was the reaction of many. That's true.
1: And uh, I did it. And I guess it was one of the most successful, maybe the most successful, but it was certainly in terms of speed, the whole thing was sold out almost immediately.
0: (laughs) Imagine if we had said in 2016 in the next six years, Donald Trump will win a Republican primary. Defeat Hillary Clinton in a general election, uh, do all the insane stuff he did for the four years then lose to Joe Biden in 2020, claim that he won, wage a two year war during which he grifts tens of millions from his followers to supposedly overturn the results, support a bunch of candidates who lose in 2022 and then sell NFT digital trading cards and appear on OAN to say that they're cute. Nobody would have believed that. Absolutely nobody would have believed. In fact, I can't think of a single person who would have taken that bet. And uh, it is really, really something else to see. I agree in a sense with Steve Bannon that the entire trading card thing is completely humiliating. But the truth is Trump does humiliating things all the time. And so I don't know that it's uniquely humiliating. It'll be interesting to see if and where what the next thing is and the the hypothesis that is increasingly forming is Trump may be realizing that this 2024 run is not going to go well. And if and when Trump starts to believe that he may end up having to bail before the first primaries, as as some have have suggested may happen. He is going to go into grift mode, which is what is the most amount of money. I can pull out of this before I quietly go away and say that's the end of my political career. And then this starts to make sense, which is what is just on this side of the law that I can use to pick up a few extra million um, before I just kind of quietly go away. And if you look at it in that sort of framework with that idea, then the NFT thing makes a lot of sense. So even Trump not really making sense in trying to explain why he did the NFT thing. There's nothing cute about them. Uh, But that's the explanation that he's giving at this point in time. Donald Trump uh, issued a Christmas message that was not heartwarming. In fact, it was a scary meltdown in which he is obviously terrified, terrified, terrified of getting himself indicted. Here is Donald Trump's post to troth Central. troth Central on Christmas. And it is not exactly a message riddled with the imagery we might expect of reindeer and um, gingerbread. I don't know what people do on Christmas exactly. You know, I do Jewish Christmas, which is I get Indian food or Chinese food. And that's exactly what I did. But it doesn't seem this is the Christmas imagery. Trump said, quote, Merry Christmas to everyone, including the radical left Marxists, of which there are almost none that are trying to destroy our capital C country, the Federal Bureau of Investigation that is illegally coercing and paying social and lamestream media to push for a mentally disabled Democrat over the capital B brilliant capital C clairvoyant. Trump calling himself clairvoyant and USA loving Donald J. Trump. And of course, the Department of Injustice, which appointed a special, quote, prosecutor end quote, who together with his wife and family hates, quote, Trump end quote, more than any <laughs> other person on Earth. Love to all, Trump says in all caps. Obama. This is a man deathly terrified of getting indicted. Now, later in the show, we're going to talk about the suggestion that Trump would be best served pleading insanity at a at a forthcoming trial, a hypothetical forthcoming trial. And again, even if there are charges, it doesn't mean there's going to be a trial. Uh, This is a guy who's very, very scared. And of course, we all know if and when Trump is indicted, he's going to say it's politically biased and it's bogus and it's nonsense. And it's the radical left Marxists and all these different things. And why didn't they invite Obama, indict Obama? Why didn't they indict George H.W. Bush for uh, putting his uh, documents in a Chinese laundry slash restaurant, which he didn't do? And what about Obama's sock draw, as he likes to say? He means drawer. Um, we know that's what he's going to say, but we know that he's genuinely terrified of that indictment. And even if he thinks that jail time, prison time is unlikely, as I do, I think it is not going to happen. Just It's not going to happen, even though Jamie Raskin now is saying Trump will end up behind bars. We'll talk about that tomorrow. I don't think it's going to happen. Trump is scared and he doesn't want to be indicted. And he is likely being advised by lawyers based on the reports we have about their strategizing that he is going to get indicted, maybe by the Southern District of New York, maybe by the DOJ federally, maybe in Georgia, maybe in all three, maybe in two of the three. Um, and he's terrified and he's coming unglued. And that's exactly what we are seeing. Uh, we are going to later in the week dig into some of the other aspects of this. But later on in today's show, we will talk about insanity defenses in general, which is actually a really interesting topic. And Lawrence Tribe's recent explanation of why that's Trump's best bet. We will take a quick break. Make sure you have liked the show on Facebook's Zuckerberg's Facebook's at Facebook.com. Slash David Pacman Show. Let's face it, the holiday season can be a stressful time for anyone, even a stressor on relationships, in laws dividing time, mismatched expectations around gifts. Our sponsor, Paired, is the app that makes it easy to maintain a feeling of connection with your partner during this crazy time of year. You and your partner download the app, you pair together, And every day, Paired gives the two of you questions or quizzes, games to have fun, stay emotionally connected, deepen your conversations. And all of the exercises were developed by academic psychologists and expert relationship therapists as well. My girlfriend and I have been using Paired quite a bit lately. It's fun. Especially with the baby these days, it's more important than ever for us to find quality time and paired is really the perfect way to spark that with funny moments, meaningful conversations and we can use paired on the go. Don't let end of year stressors get in the way of you and your partner enjoying some connecting paired makes it simple and giving your significant other a paired subscription is a great last minute holiday gift. Head over to pairedcom slash Pacman for a seven day free trial and twenty five percent off a subscription. The link is down below. Following up on all the uh, holiday weekend news, failed former President Donald Trump did an interview so humiliating that even his friend Wayne Allen Root couldn't save him. Wayne Allen Root has been a guest on this program many times. I encourage you to check out my conversations with Wayne and you will probably learn a lot about the type of person that he is politically. He was interviewed. Uh, sorry. He interviewed Donald Trump uh, over the weekend, and we're going to just look at some of it. And uh, it's it's all pretty nauseating, to be perfectly frank.
2: Huge fan. And President Trump.
0: Big fan, sir.
2: I welcome you to America's top 10 countdown with Wayne Allen. How are you?
1: Good. Thanks. Uh, Wayne. It's Great being with you. It's always great being with you. We have we've done some good work together.
2: We have,
0: you know, you know, I'm on your team. By the way, the explosive platform Rumble was able to deliver 27,000 views for this interview. Geez. Oh boy.
2: 110% forever. I'm loyal that. for life. Yep. And that's my ballgame. When I'm loyal, I'm loyal. And that's it. I never go back. We need <laughs> you back right. as president. And my opening commentary, which you haven't even heard yet, but I'm sure you'll get a chance. To see a copy of the show. My opening commentary so They're gonna
0: send him a copy of it. <laughs> Not the original, they're gonna send him a copy.
2: Was for this Christmas, I want everyone to appreciate the great gift of President Donald J. Trump because he is our brave heart. He is our William Wallace. If you remember wow. Gibson's movie Braveheart, it's you fighting against the deep state. And the D- well,
0: of course, I remember that movie Wayne. and by the way, Mel Gibson was treated totally unfairly by that Jewish cop, completely unfairly. Gibson was, was right to ask, are you a Jew? And uh, listen, we got we sorry, what see swamp and
2: you're the only thing between them and all of us being serfs and slaves. So we appreciate you. I appreciate you. And I, I pray to God you're back again in 24.
1: Well, that's really nice. And the rhinos, too. You know, the rhinos are really bad. In a lot of ways, they're worse than the Democrats. You you know where the Democrats are coming from. But these rhinos that we have and guys like Mitch McConnell is so bad, like this omnibus bill, it's not even it's not even believable they're going to pass it. Horrible. It's uh, just an incredible thing. It's uh, how he gets away with this stuff.
0: Go
2: ahead. I, I know you comment. By the
0: way, the, the, the talking over each other is the entire interview
2: on the omnibus bill. I saw your comments today. Same no, as mine. Terrible. Money. How could Republicans vote for this? Why would Republicans vote for this? Because Mitch
1: McConnell raises money and he gives it to Republican senators and they go out and vote. Very simple. He's not a leader. He just raises money and he gives it, you know, he pays, gives them a lot of money and it's amazing, you know, that they can get that by because they needed 10 senators, 10 or 12, and he gets to 10 or 12, including himself It's a horrible bill. Do you know, on the border security, we get nothing. And yet we're giving four or five countries border security for almost five hundred million dollars. So they're allowed to have border security. And we're not. It's not even it's not even possible what they're doing. And now,
0: remember, nobody on the left is saying we can't have a border or border security. There's just there's no one on the left is saying that. The point is: Can we fix immigration? Deal with DACA? Actually, determine what we think we're solving with a wall? Realize it won't actually work, and put in place solutions that make sense? The, they, these are straw man arguments on immigration.
1: If they waited yeah, for two know. or three weeks, you'd you'd have the Republican Congress helping, and would make a much well, better deal. But he doesn't. He wants to get it done before talk. the Republican <laughs> Congress comes in
2: this is America's top 10 countdown show. So I come up with the top 10. Right. And you just covered quite a few of them. In other words, I said, here's a bill that gives border security to Middle East countries, but none to ours. And here's a bill that gives another 45 billion to Ukraine, but their invasion. But what about our border invasion? If Title 42 gets lifted, what's going to happen to America?
0: Now let's talk about Title 42. Title 42 was used by Trump to more quickly send migrants back to their home countries. Okay. now the justification was we have a unique and explosive public health emergency COVID. Trump was simultaneously downplaying the severity of the pandemic while saying it is so historically bad that we need to use Title 42 to turn migrants around and do expedited deportations. How wait. It's both not super serious, but so serious. We need to use something in a way that it hasn't been used for a really, really long time because it is such an emergency. It was pure politics. That's all it was.
1: Well, right now, it's doing better than we thought in the courts. The courts are sort of holding it up because, uh, you know, the judges are saying, like, this is crazy what they're doing to our country. You know, it gets beyond the legal. It gets like it's common sense, most of this stuff. And uh, it'll certainly be a horrible thing. And right now it's extended to past the weekend. But you know, I was the one that put it in. It was my idea. All right. So
0: Trump, both taking credit for criticize. So immigration is a complete and total mess. Let's skip ahead to another section just to give you a little bit of the other flavor here.
2: Yeah. No, I get it. Listen, I think you're as loyal as anyone to the Jewish people in the history of the White House.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, right into it, huh? Nobody's been better for the Jews than you, Don. Nobody.
2: And I understand your anger and I understand your questioning why the heck you're not getting the Jewish vote being loyal back to you. <laughs> right. I get it. I'm Jewish and I get it. So I get
0: we've explained it before. Republicans and their pro-Israel view, the way they define it, mostly appeals to evangelical Christians, not to Jewish Americans who overwhelmingly vote for Democrats, because on issues Jewish Americans overwhelmingly line up with Democrats. How many times do we have to explain this?
1: 25% of the Jewish vote in 2016. I got 25% of the Jewish vote. And I didn't do it for votes. I did it because it was the right thing to do. Then I did Golan Heights, which is a big deal. They were trying to get it for 60 years. I got it done in 15 minutes. I did Golan Heights, which is unbelievably important. But more importantly, I did the embassy. I did
0: Jerusalem. Remember the embassy. What he means is moving the U.S. embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. That only appeals to right wing Americans. That's who that appeals to. Um, uh, Progressive Jews like me recognize that you can't just unilaterally say we're putting the embassy in Jerusalem because it goes right at the heart of much of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and the sovereignty of Jerusalem and whether Jerusalem in an eventual two state solution which may never come whether Jerusalem will or won't be the international capital of Israel over a hypoth- hypothetical Palestinian state there's a reason why moving the embassy to Jerusalem didn't make progressive Jews which is most of us come scrambling to vote for Trump but he either doesn't get it or he doesn't want to accept it
1: becoming the capital i did all i know all the capital, capital. Know them all. and then They're i did all they're all great. And then I did, no, and then I did the Iran nuclear deal and terminated it, which is uh, w- was probably the most valuable thing I did, if you want, because they, they want to terminate Israel. So I did the Iran nuclear deal, and then a guy calls me up, who I know, who's been very good to me.
0: Big, strong guy. He was crying over it.
1: He was on Tucker Carlson the other day, a couple of months ago, saying Trump is great. And he wanted to have dinner because I think he needed help, because he needs help. But I think he needed help. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden they say, oh, I'm having dinner with him and he's an anti-Semite. Now, how am I supposed to know he's an anti-Semite if he is an anti-Semite? He didn't express that to me, by
0: the way. But if he is, how was I supposed to be aware of the major global story about Kanye that lasted two weeks on every news outlet? So all of
1: a sudden, no, no, we've
2: got to have
0: more loyalty. The Jews should be more loyal to me, Wayne, like you.
2: Yeah, no, I get it. Listen, Obama sat in the pew of an anti for 20 years, giving That's lectures right. at his church, Reverend Wright. And nobody ever said a word about it. The media nah. liberals. No one. You have one dinner with a stranger and the whole world's against you.
0: All right. So anyway, we, I won't do this. The, the entire thing is 19 minutes long. I think we've had enough of it, but a friendly interview and Trump ends up with the Jews should be more loyal to me. The Jews should be more loyal to me for that thing I did where I moved the, the, the capital, the embassy. Unbelievable stuff. Even Wayne Allen Root can't save Trump. All right, let's get to a legal opinion. Lawrence Tribe, Harvard Law professor, thinks Trump should be working up an insanity defense at a hypothetical trial. We're going to talk about the difficulties of pleading insanity. Business Insider report. Trump's legal team better be able to get him to plead insanity at trial, Harvard law professor says. A Harvard law professor suggested that Trump's legal team should get him to plead insanity if he does go on trial. In a tweet Sunday, the Professor Lawrence Tribe, an expert on constitutional law, commented on Trump's video message to the House Select Committee on January 6, 2021. If this is the defense at Trump's forthcoming trial. I don't envy the lawyers who agree to represent him, Tribe tweeted. They'd better be psychiatrists expert at reflexive projection and capable of getting their client to plead insanity. Now, we're going to look at Trump's statement to the January 6th committee tomorrow in more detail. Um, But Trump attacks the committee members as being bad people. He says there was no evidence. He is just a wacky, wacky, wacky guy. Now, let's talk about an insanity uh, defense. Number one it's important to remember that an insanity plea is not a get out of jail free card. It's a defense that wants to mitigate the punishment for a crime by arguing the defendant was not in control of their actions due to mental illness. The defendant didn't understand the consequences of their decisions due to mental illness, which means that even if you success uh, succeed at defending someone on the basis of insanity, you can still be found guilty And face punishment like being confined to a mental health facility, for example. Now, I don't actually think any of that's going to happen with Trump. Tomorrow we'll have Jamie Raskin's recent comments what he believes is going to happen to Trump. But that's a difficulty or something to understand, I would say, about an insanity defense. One of the biggest challenges in pleading insanity is burden of proof, because in order to successfully argue the defense of insanity, the defendant must present evidence that they were suffering from a mental illness at the time of the crime that that caused them to lack the capacity to understand that their actions were wrong or illegal or whatever the case may be. That is often very difficult to do because the defendant needs to provide detailed information about their mental state and the symptoms they were experiencing. They bring in medical experts and it is a it's difficult to meet that burden of proof, particularly if Donald Trump is otherwise, quote, functioning, although we would argue he wasn't really functioning, he wasn't really working, but functioning as president of the United States. There's also the stigma that surrounds mental illness because there are many people who view mental illness as a weakness or a character flaw rather than a medical condition. So even in a case where the defense actually can meet that burden of proof. There are still jurors as a general people who may end up on the jury, which might not be easily convinced that what they were seeing were the out of control actions of someone suffering from mental illness rather than just somebody who broke the law. So insanity defense is an uphill battle. If it's Trump, I think it's a particularly uphill battle because of the other circumstances I mentioned, in addition to the difficulty of getting a jury that would be neutral enough about Trump's actions that they would really give the insanity consideration, um, the fair consideration that it would ideally get in front of a jury. So I think it's a big uphill battle. And we may talk more about that uh, in the future, but that's Lawrence Tribe's idea. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. Uh, here is a caller who is bravely engaged in fighting the war on Christmas, which doesn't exist. Okay, let's take a listen.
4: David, sir, this is James. Hope you had a good Hanukkah. Thank you. Um, I wanted to talk to you about uh, the issue of. The War on Christmas. Yes. Um, With maybe one exception, I've never actually heard of anyone get offended uh, when someone says Merry Christmas. But I can't tell you how many uh, right wingers I've heard get offended by happy holidays. Mm. Um, I think it's time that that the progressives really, really call the Republicans out on their on their you know wokeness and their um <laughs> they're policing tri-
0: speech someone says happy holidays and they go why aren't you saying merry christmas to me
4: Triggered by happy holidays i mean that they really are snowflakes if happy holidays triggers them that much um, but yeah hardly anyone i've i've met actually gets offended by merry christmas anyway i uh, hope you have a good rest of your holiday season and uh, hope to hear from you soon
0: yeah so listen um, I, I tweeted the other day and some people got so mad at me I, and I was serious when I tweeted it, but it's not like some big thing when people say happy holidays to me around this time of year. I go, oh, happy holidays. yeah. And if they say Merry Christmas, I say, oh, happy Hanukkah. It's just like it's not a big deal. I'm not doing it aggressively. It's just if they wish me Merry Christmas because that's what they celebrate, I wish them happy Hanukkah because that's what I celebrate. It's not a big deal. No one has ever gotten upset. No one has ever gotten offended. It's, it's kind of a joke, but I, I, I do do that. Do that. I'm not offended. Nobody's offended. It's really not a big deal. The thing that really does seem to offend people is these right wingers. When they are told happy holidays, they believe they are being told happy holidays because some woke Marxist leftist Obama yeah, like Obama or whoever, right, has pressured a, a worker at Best Buy to forego Merry Christmas and instead to say happy holidays. So it is true. I don't get it. Wish me happy Kwanzaa. I don't care. Wish me whatever you want and then I'll respond however I want. No one's offended. We're having conversations. It's fine. OK, but the people who get offended are the ones wished happy holidays when they believe they should be wished. Merry Christmas. And it's pathetic. We have a great bonus show for you today. This it's unbelievable that this even happened. At least 27 people are dead in Buffalo, New York because of a snowstorm. Okay, we're going to talk about the horrifying situation in Buffalo. Adidas, much less seriously. Adidas is scrambling to sell over five hundred million dollars worth of Yeezys after cutting ties with Kanye West. Uh, Where what are they going to do with them? Where are they going to end up? It's an interesting place, by the way, where sometimes Uh, Clothing and shoes end up when they are no longer sold on the retail market. We'll talk about that. And a new poll finds that Arizona now independent Senator Kirsten Sinema would get crushed if she ran as an independent in 2024, which was supposedly one of the considerations in her moving from uh, Democrat to independent. All of those stories and so much more all on today's bonus show. How do you get the bonus show? You sign up at joinpacman.com.
2: Oh, the bonus show where you want to make money. Yes. So everybody else that makes money to fund themselves is bad.
0: Well, depends how you're making that money, Alex. That's the truth. We're offering nothing other than a good time with the award winning bonus show. You can sign up at joinpacman.com. You can use the coupon code, please no more Trump. And you have to say it that way when you enter it. Please no more Trump. We'll see you on the bonus show in mere moments.